0: featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. I have great news. I want to let you know the ESL program is open for application I have helped hundreds of women inside of this program move towards secure attachment and learn how to attract their soulmate partnership. I'm not telling you this to brag. I really want you to know that I know exactly where you are at right now, and I know how to get you to where you want to go. Right now, you might be investing in relationships that seem like they go nowhere, might be completely frustrated with the dating scene. You may be experiencing low self-worth, anxious attachment, or avoidant attachment, and you may just want to give up altogether on ever attracting that healthy relationship that you know deep down you do deserve. And if where you want to go is Hey, you want to be able to date confidently. You want to show up as that securely attached version of you with high self-worth who takes care of herself and the person who can also attract and maintain that healthy, great relationship. If that's where you want to be and you're not sure how to get there, I want you to know I can help you. The ESL program is a proven framework. We've helped hundreds of women. And right now, when you join, you get access to a very special offer that I'm not sure we'll ever do again. You will get a bonus month in the program. So that's extra time to ensure that you get to exactly where you want to be. So if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster for good and move to that securely attached woman, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the ESL program. The link to apply is in my Instagram bio, and it's also in the show notes. I can't wait to see you inside of the program. Hello. Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have an incredible guest with us, my friend, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. so excited to connect with you because I know we connected, gosh, I think it's been like seven months or so. It's always a blur with Pandemic times,
1: time just like finally. this was yesterday. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but we had such a good conversation about abusive relationships and narcissism. And I just thought, with everything going on right now with the Gabby Petito case that happened and it's domestic violence awareness month in October, I just thought I really wanted to talk with you specifically. So. I'm so glad that you could fit this into your schedule and that we have time to have this conversation today. Yes. Now I'm happy to do this. And I wanted to shout you out. If you're not following her already, you need to go follow her. She's on Instagram as Dr. Z psychologist. It's z underscore psychologist. So make sure you go connect with her on Instagram. Her content is incredible. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. So let's talk about this. This is such an important topic. I thought we could just start out with the signs of how, how would you know when you're in an abusive relationship? Yeah. So I think there's two, and I'm sure you
1: would agree. There's two different kind of ways to, to to see this there's the visible and the invisible abuse mm-hmm. and you know the visible abuse is you know what you would think you know bruises and and things like that but also you know keep in mind that oftentimes when people are in physically abusive relationships the abuser sometimes will deliberately injure the person in body part areas that are not visible um, or the person being abused may go to extreme measures to cover up. So long sleeves, long pants, let's say in like, Mm -hmm. you know, 90 degree weather, things like that, not going to the beach, stuff like that. Um, or, and I was just talking about this, or, you know, oftentimes with, um, head injuries, you don't know you have them. Um, you could hit your head in the wall, it Mm -hmm. could hit you. And, um, you wouldn't necessarily know, but then maybe a week later, two weeks later, you feel dizzy, you feel fatigued, you feel nauseous. There's some cognitive slowing and kind of a culmination of these things over time can lead to neurological and cognitive issues. So even with the physical, sometimes it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's also physical kind of, there's behaviors that you can look for, um, you know, the way tone of voice changes, eye contact, body posture, Hypervigilance, so someone taps you on the shoulder and you kind of jump and, and your response is disproportionate right to the situation. Um, loud noises, things like that. Somebody screaming. Um, and then there's the invisible stuff, which is a lot of what you and I talk about, more of the emotional um, verbal abuse and the toll that that takes on somebody over their lifetime or even just six months, um, and the damage that that can do emotionally to somebody can be extremely traumatizing and, you know, result in PTSD, PTSD, CPTSD, complex PTSD.
0: Thank you so much. I think it's really important to be able to openly talk about these things because it's just not talked about. Right. And what I like about the visible versus invisible is making sure that people know there's this huge spectrum and that one abusive relationship is not going to look like all the others. There's just so many different ways right. that a relationship can be abusive. Um, I know you and I. And there's financial of- abuse. Yeah. People financial. don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just so important to acknowledge it can look different for every relationship. Yeah. Um, there was actually,
1: I don't know if your listeners have watched this, but um, on Netflix, the series Made. You heard about that yet? Uh, I saw that came out. I haven't watched okay. it. Okay, so it's interesting because I won't tell you. I, mean, I won't give you know the the series away. But there's one part where she goes to social social services, and um, you know the, they're talking about domestic violence, and she says, "Well, I'm not, I'm not abused. It's not real. It's not like real abuse." And the woman looked at her and said, "Well, then what's fake abuse?" And it was just such a Mm -hmm. It was such a good line because it's like, well, right. No abuse is fake. It's either abuse or or not abuse. And and there's no yes or no with that. And so it varies on that continuum. And I think people need to understand that just because there's no bruises doesn't mean it's not abuse.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this about me. I think you might just that my relationship with a narcissist about eight years ago was the thing that basically started my career. Yeah thank you to my ex for a wonderful career. <laughs> exactly. <relationship> exactly. <laughs> and a great career. Um, but yes. in that relationship, it was so psychological. It oh, was, yeah. it was entirely psychological until the very end. It did become physical. And when it became physical for me yep. and I, I ultimately had a near death experience and there was someone there to witness it and oh. a police report. And, you know, it, it came to this very rock bottom moment for me. And I was able to get out. Good for but you. I think, I think what's not talked about is that it doesn't just magically get better once you get out. Correct. Yes. yes. There was years of vigilance yes. for me. There was having to go and file the restraining order. There mm-hmm. was the death threats that got sent to my workplace. Like it does not just magically get better nope. once you get out. No, it's, it's uh, so hard. And I think that's why yeah. so many people feel sad. they stay, they stay because so of that they, hard to get out
1: and they're, and they, and all of their thoughts and feelings are valid. That's why. And I'm sure you hear this too. When people say, well, why didn't they just leave? It's you're just like, Oh, like, yeah, yeah. you can't just leave because there's, Death threats. There's physical violence. There's violence against the kids. There's threats. There's manipulation and lies. And and you know the court system for family court, as it's set up, it doesn't. It's getting a little better, but it doesn't really understand the systemic nature of narcissism in a relationship when it comes to custody of children. It just
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's very difficult, and so people understandably so, are fearful for custody of their kids. You know, they're made mm-hmm. to look like the crazy ones and, and there's a, they don't have the resources because they've been isolated. They don't have the finances because they've been financially abused. Um, and yeah. they stayed for 10, 15, 20 years. So, well, why did you say that? You know, so it's, it's very... It's
0: very complex, it's, and for, yeah, for each individual, there's different barriers. There's different things that get in the way, and and I think one thing that we we both know is just the toll that it takes on your self worth. Yeah, yeah. And then when when you don't feel worthy of, you know, setting boundaries, expressing mm-hmm. your needs, you you become that shell of a person. That's right. A lot of times. It's so and I'll, hard. It's, it's so hard, that. and I'll have women
1: say to me, you know, when they finally get out of this relationship, because you know, for your listeners, uh, more often than not, it does. It's not just a one time you leave and you're done. A lot of women leave, come back, or men too, leave, come back, leave, come back, and understand that it's a process. So I don't want anyone to look at it like it's a failure if you come back, because oftentimes it's yeah. necessary for your mental well being, your sense of self to leave, come back, leave, come back. And so, yes. um, that's not a failure. It's, it's like process oriented almost. Um, Absolutely. but when, when I, my, a lot of my female patients, when they leave one of the scariest, there's two, two, things that are very traumatizing other than the abuse that took place. The first is they have no idea who they are. And when I mean, no idea who they are, um, I just, I'll give you an example of something that somebody said to me the other day. they you know, obviously the bedroom right and the bed itself is a huge trigger for a lot of women in narcissistic, abusive
0: relationships.
1: And when she left, she always let's say slept on the left side of the bed. And when they separated, she it was the other day, she was so unnerved by the fact. And to anyone else, it would be like, What are you talking? About? This doesn't mean anything, but it's it shows that the degree to which it rocks you to your core of your self worth and who you are. She was so unnerved by the fact that she didn't even know what side of the bed she prefers yeah. to sleep on like to that degree, doesn't know what type of food she likes. Cause she was told what to eat and what to cook. Doesn't know her favorite color because she was told what to wear, told what color car to drive, told what, I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't I, know their taste in music. Cause they so weren't allowed to listen. To it's just, it's, I don't yeah. think people understand the, the, you know, the how losses. deeply it goes loss of self completely yeah. loss
0: of identity and then So you
1: that's and you. it's traumatizing.
0: It is.
1: Yeah. And then I think the other part of it that's traumatizing for people at least like anecdotally what I what I hear is that this realization that the entire relationship as they knew it wasn't I don't want to say it wasn't real but wasn't what they thought it was and this person they constantly tried to get back the good one from the beginning, it ne- never existed. The whole relationship was it felt not, yeah. It is you know, they don't have the capacity to love you. They don't love the children in the way you think. everything about it was not real in a sense. And so there's a sense of wasting time, wasting your life, you know, and that that's very traumatizing too. So you're right after the breakup, in a weird way, it gets harder, but in a more self-focused way than, than, you know, outwardly.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's, there's just so many signs because I, I do want to move into talking about healing. Cause I, I want people to know, Hey, we, this is really hard, but you can do it. We're saying, Oh yeah, it is, but you yeah. can do it. So before we get into healing, I mean, there's just so many signs, right. And yeah and you you talked about many of them I think another one would be the isolating right you're you're losing who you are so you're also losing your relationships like That's right my best friend when I was going through this we were living together she had to move out she yep. didn't even recognize me as a person anymore
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it was I I lost all my close relationships. And I, you know, still had contact with my family, thank goodness. But the isolating that happens when you're in this kind of relationship, I I think that's really something to look out for. If you start to notice yourself, like really drifting away from people who you've been really close with, Mm -hmm. that's a very key sign. If you even realize
1: it, Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you don't even realize it until way later on. And, you know, I I describe it as if you think of yourself like on a platform, right? And then as the, it's very subtle. This type of abuse is very subtle. You don't see it coming until every so often a bar is put up, a bar is put up. And then before you know it, you look around and, you don't know how you got there, but all of a sudden you're in this like cage <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, it's like every, so often these bars go up, that you can't get out. And before you know it, you've been isolated from friends. Right. And it starts yes. something like, Oh, you know, that, that, that girl, Jamie, I don't, there's something about her. I don't trust. I know she's your best friend, but like, I don't, I don't know. So, you, st- you know, they start to challenge your reality through gaslighting, and you start to believe these things, and they'll twist it so that you're like, oh, maybe I don't trust her, you know, and the lies, the manipulation. So, before you know it, you're isolating yourself from other people. Other people isolate from you because you're not allowed to call them at certain times. You're not allowed to text them certain things. You're not allowed to be on social media. You can't meet them out for a girl's night. And- Mm-hmm. You don't want to go out as a couple because you don't know what your partner's gonna do, if they're gonna freak out and have a rage or they're gonna be charming. And so you just avoid. And before you know it, your world's so small, you've isolated. And I mean, you're very fortunate in the sense your family, I know from speaking to you before, your family did not leave you. Right. Like your family stuck by you. And so mm-hmm. it's that social support is a huge predictor of your ability to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult. So got yeah. family and friends, you start to isolate from, and
0: it's and I, over time. Yeah. It, it's, I, I love that metaphor that you share. The other one that I'm sure you've heard is about the frog and the boiling pot of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. If, if they the, don't know. Yeah. They, yeah. If the frog like knew that the pot was going to boil, it would have never jumped in there, but Correct. you have a cold pot of water the frog so is tempting and yeah. it and mm-hmm. then you slowly turn the heat up and then it's boiling and then by that time it's nearly impossible for the frog to Correct. Out. So Correct. anyways, I like your metaphor though. And it's just it honestly, I don't know about you, but this recent news with Gabby Batito and knowing that she she lost her life essentially in one of these relationships. And I know there's not a hundred percent evidence that it was him, but everything's pointing to her partner. Yep. I don't know about you, but hearing that, seeing that again in the news and obviously there's so many of these cases, but, but this one was just really, really in the media. Um, And I, I live in Florida now close to actually where Brian Laundrie is. And I've been to, to, um, the park where she was found many times. So I I don't know what it was about this particular story, but it brought everything back for me.
1: Yep. It was very triggering for a lot of my patients, a lot.
0: And the, the thing is, is, so many of us who have had this experience know that that could have easily have been us. And, and for me, it was this huge sense of gratitude that, that I was able to get out and just an overwhelming sadness for all the women who aren't, who maybe if they haven't actually died, but they've, they've died emotionally, they've died spiritually, and they're still living in that prison of that kind of relationship it just brought up so much for me. And I was honestly surprised.
1: Yeah. I, I, you're not alone. That's for sure. Um, I think one of the reasons why this was so triggering for people is I think because the way it was publicized it, it, and because I think because of social media and because things like narcissistic personality disorder are being spoken about more and, you know, because of certain, you know, other variables now that kind of bring that out, um, people are a little bit more aware of it. And I think people saw this and kind of quietly said to themselves, that could have been me. Yes. And I think it, it was, you know, a theme with my patients that I was hearing was almost this sense of like survivor's guilt in a way that they had been through something nearly identical. Why were they able to leave? She couldn't. Why were they able to survive and get out, but she couldn't. And um, there was a lot of, I I think it was just, it was way too close to home for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and very relatable. And I think it it really triggered and scared a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it helped people. I'm hoping that that came from this at the very
0: least. I I hope so. I hope so. And even the fact that, you know, you and I are here having these kinds of conversations and I'll always tell clients that I work with, there was no Instagram when I was going through the relationship. I was, there was, I thought that I was, I thought there was something wrong with me here. I am getting my PhD in clinical psych and I must be doing something wrong. That's causing yeah. my partner to treat me this way. There just wasn't the same dialogue out there about narcissism or abusive relationships. So because sure, you'd probably
1: go out and, and, you know, he would be charming and gracious with everybody and funny and, mm-hmm. and then behind closed doors, he's a certain way with you. And here you are an expert in psychology. You sh- think you should know better. So mm-hmm. it has to be you. Right. Like, you know, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's gaslighting at its best. I mean, it has, it has to be you. So, right. um, I, I think that like, you know, I, the one thing I will say, and, and I hope people are, are made aware of this. And again, it's nobody's faults. So I'm, not, I'm not blaming the people that miss the signs because we're kind of conditioned as a society to not pay attention to this stuff unless we see I verses. See. Um, you know, the the police came that, you know, they, they, they saw, and you see the videos and you see him smiling and sometimes and and being very calm and you see her crying and shaking and her shoulders hunched over her eyes, you know, and, and I I think that I just think the two things, I think sometimes authorities don't know what to look for. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's enough education and training at all. Um, And I, and I also think that, and I know this is talked about in different States and there's certain groups that really kind of push this. Maybe police officers aren't the right, or maybe somebody else goes with them, but you know, social workers or therapists in the community go out with them to be able to assess the situation to say, you know, you know what, there's something else going on because I, that probably would have been a little bit more accurate.
0: I agree with you. It, and the part that you said it's no one's fault, I think it's it's really important to acknowledge that that there's there's a lot of factors in in any relationship like this and um I think as a society we do often, you know, blame the victim and say like oh they should have got out whatever, but what about what about the perpetrator? Like why why are we letting um, Correct. people grow up like this? And you know, and the other
1: thing too, I was thinking it's for her to call the police in the first place alone with him in a van in the middle of nowhere
0: took yeah. so much courage, very brave. And then nothing happens. Right. So like, I, I would have I, never been able to do that in my no. relationship.
1: And to be honest with you, I don't know as a, I don't know if somebody asked me if that was the best thing to do what I will.
0: I have to be honest. I, I don't know how so hard she, she was trying clearly. Like she, she I'm was sure, trying. I'm sure she, was I'm sure to she felt scared
1: to death after
0: they left. Yes.
1: Um, you know, and, and, and as far as like how we're conditioned in society and how people are growing up like this, we, so we didn't have social media We're that generation that we weren't born with the internet. We weren't born with any of that. And then it came later. So I think generations now, younger generations that are born with this, that have this, that grow up with this, um, they're growing up in a totally different environment and context where everything is public. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think they have, I think it goes both ways. I think there's a, a you know, pros and cons to it. I think in, in one way, they're growing up with no privacy, but in a healthier way, they're growing up with no privacy. So maybe they, we watch each other. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's, I don't think we know yet what's going to happen, to be yeah, honest. But yeah. I don't know. I think it, it, it well, definitely contributes to personality development. I just don't course, know how yet.
0: Of yeah. course. It's a really good point. And I know that you and I would agree that mental health, Needs to be something that's handled in a proactive way. We are so reactive, so reactive how, in how we handle it. I, um, in undergrad, I did this campaign that was like psychotherapy works. Treat therapy like a dentist, or it was it was something like that. I remember even in my undergrad years as a psychology student, I was convinced we need to treat visits to a therapist like you would to a dentist twice a year. That's right. It needs to be preventative, not this post thing now, this reaction of wow, he clearly had mental health concerns, yes, personality disorder. It was never dealt with.
1: No, and and I you know, one, it would normalize it. No one, there's no shame. Like I have a primary care doctor appointment. I mean, you, you tell your stranger on the street that like, so it would normalize it. And I think the other thing it does is we're not chasing this acute crisis, the the results of this acute crisis. Instead, Mm -hmm. you're seeing people when they're not in crisis, which you know is always better emotionally and cognitively, they can take things in better. They can process things more, their head's not filled up with stress. So you're learning strategies twice a year so that when something does come up, you can
0: handle it. Yeah, It's preventative medicine. It's no, it's no different. We need preventative medicine for mental health. Yeah. So, and I know obviously that doesn't take away from the tragedy that has happened. And I know people have so many questions. And just as you said, it's been so triggering to many. And I think we can just also acknowledge that pain and grief yeah. and it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. There's no solution to this. It's, it's okay. really painful to acknowledge It's
1: tragic all around. It, yeah. It's just, it's just, um, yeah, it's, tra- it's tragic.
0: Yes. Yes. And I really appreciate being able to talk with you about this. And I know, I know that you get it and I know that that's why so many of your clients come to you. So, um, I do want to transition and just talk about the woman that that does leave, that is able to leave, that just you know defies all odds and gets over all the barriers and does leave that abusive relationship. Let's just talk about the healing journey yeah. that comes after.
1: Um, I, I say this jokingly, but I really mean this. Don't ever mess with a woman who has gotten out of a narcissistic abusive relationship. It's because so
0: true. <laughs> you don't want to mess with them It's like because... J Lo. It's like J Lo in that movie enough. I I kid you, yes. know, I took up yes. boxing. I'm strength training like yes. for an entire year after. Like, yep. <laughs> you don't mess with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does make you incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Um Man.
1: I I know that, you know, afterwards, there is a, there's a, there's gonna be a million emotions that you're going to be having. And every, like you said, every single one of them after you leave is totally valid. You're going to feel guilt. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel embarrassment. You're going to feel relief. You're going to feel depression, anxiety, fear. You're going to miss them and not understand why you're going to still love them and doubt your decision and consider going back. And you're going to have all of these and you're going to have them for a while. It's totally normal. The biggest thing I say is you must, must, must get into some sort of therapy. If you don't have access to therapy, the very least use social media, Instagram, but make sure you're following somebody who isn't just a trauma informed specialist, but somebody who understands the nuances of narcissistic abuse, because it's, some of them are so subtle and they, these subtle things have such lasting traumatic impact that if you gloss over it you miss a chunk of it and it's very invalidating so make sure that you you go to somebody who understands this who doesn't suggest couples counseling who you know doesn't focus on how you chose wrong there there's a lot of healing that has to happen before you even address your patterns maybe that got yes. you into this type of relationship um this is it's a lot of um a lot of little traumas that happen over time. So it's different than treating PTSD, which is one singular traumatic event. Right. There's a definitive before and after complex PTSD. There is no definitive before and after, except before you got into the relationship. If that at all, maybe you had it growing up, which likely you, you, you were in some sort of dynamic like that. Um, yes, it's a very different type of trauma processing. Very different.
0: Absolutely. I love that you point that out. And I think you were talking about this, but really being okay with being in survival mode for a while. Yes. Yes. So you're not doing any deep processing. You're simply focused on how do I emotionally regulate? How do I mm-hmm. take care of my basic needs?
1: That's right. How do you I, sleep? How do you how, eat? Yeah.
0: How do you I drive down. without panicking? <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, what was so necessary in those months after I left? And I I wrote down non-negotiable routines. Oh, I love that. For myself. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And they are probably basic. Basic. Yeah. But you're relearning that, oh, okay. I have needs. I can honor what my needs are. So you have to just start with very basic non-negotiable routines, um and then right because yeah. you know a need is to shower, right or or
1: eat, yeah. but what you don't you don't know your emotional needs. you right. you don't know who you are. so you don't it's it I love that yeah. you
0: start with the basic stuff and build and build on that. What do I even like to do in yeah. my free time, right? Like you you have to start there. Um, and then as you're saying, you absolutely need to get into some kind of work, um, mm-hmm. where you are able to process what's happened yeah. and, and realizing that it it is just, as you said, so many little traumas, um, and, and really being able to process what, what happened so that you're not carrying it with you. Yes. It's like the
1: example I gave with the bed, the side of the bed, if you, yes if somebody doesn't understand the nuances of narcissistic abuse, a, you know, I don't know what side of the bed to sleep on. Someone would just say, well, just pick one. You'll get used to it. it it's not about that. Yeah. It's about not even knowing the tiniest things about yourself. And that's right. scary.
0: That's your, so your, scary. Your self-trust gets yeah. totally shattered. It's gone. You, you have none. Yeah, You have no self-trust. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's it's the rewiring of your belief system about yourself, yeah. right? Because when you're in the yeah. relationship with the narcissist, you internalize so many lies about yourself. Yeah,
1: So you have you to literally control. have to rewire. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, it's kind of it's it's you have to retrain your physiological kind of functioning, your heart rate, your breathing, all of this. It has to be regulated. You're, you're your your hyper vigilance, your fighter your fight or flight response is just haywire. It's totally, it's, it's just off the charts unstable and Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, it's kind of like traumatic brain injury patient, let's say who has to learn how they had have a horrible traumatic brain injury and they're, they're in the hospital. They don't just discharge them home and say, go back to work. They're in rehab for months and months and months to learn how to walk again, speak again. You wouldn't expect them if they were an attorney or psychologists to go back to private practice. Once they're healed, they, they have to learn sometimes how to speak again. So it's like
0: that. I can't believe, I mean, you know, Jamie, so I was in my third year of my graduate program and I was working in a community mental health center and I had 16 clients on my caseload. I took one day off and then I was thrown right back in to providing therapy. And I'm torn. I think in some ways it was really, really hard for me. Like it actually made my healing process take a lot longer because yeah. I didn't stop. Yeah. But I also think it gave me that gift of distracting myself and for yes. survival. I almost needed to completely disconnect from yeah. my internal experience, but I think, you have to, it,
1: it gave you objectivity.
0: Yes. You know? Yeah. It's I I think this piece though of like, wow, giving yourself so much self-compassion, so much grace, because you're essentially relearning how to do everything. You're getting to know yourself probably for the first time. For you're getting the first to really, time. really deeply know yourself because you're forced to. Mm-hmm. And this this is a process. It it doesn't heal in a couple of weeks. Yeah. This is a process.
1: No. And, and, you know, and I think, and I don't know if you experience this, but I think this is also why it's important for people around you to understand that, you know, it, 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 other people around you may say like, why are you still worried about him? He was a jerk. Or why are you still worried about her? She wasn't, she wasn't good for you because they don't understand. It's not that you're not over them. it ha- It actually doesn't have to do with that. It's not about them at all. It's about you and what your your process and, and what you're going through and how you're retraining to figure out who you are. Um, it's it's not about you're you grieving that person. You're you're grieving. I think the 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 loss of your identity. You're grieving this the illusion of what you thought your marriage or your relationship was. But you're not grieving them. And I think it's hard for people to understand that.
0: It's such a good point. I hope people can maybe rewind this for a second. Listen to that again, because
1: <laughs> you probably hate them. You don't want to be. With yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it's
0: about I think a lot of it is the identity piece. And who am I? And wow, like I knew exactly who I was because of the level of codependency and the control that existed. And now I have to start over. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I do want people to know. That it, it is so possible to heal.
1: Oh yeah, so so all possible. my
0: patients, all my, I mean, I most
1: of my patients get out. You know, m- yes. many of them are are just on the other side. A lot of them are are in the midst of it or in the midst of a divorce. Yeah. Um, you absolutely get out. It isn't easy, but but it's a hundred percent possible. Like
0: absolutely, yes. And and the narcissists, you know, they may try forever to get you back and it will bother you at first. I I know this because my, my ex had a lovely way of just finding me wherever I was. I went to internship. He found where I worked and sent me flowers, like craziness. You know how they are. So he was relentless in contacting me. So that may never stop. They may continue to reach out. Yeah. However, the way you react to it. That's right. Will it you? At one point, I promise you. I think it took me about seven years, but at one point, it was like no impact on me to to hear and, from him.
1: And at one point, and I know, I know, I, I actually got a lot of pushback when I said this, but I'm gonna say it again because I stand by this.
0: We're gonna be controversial, Remember <laughs> We're we gonna said. be controversial right here because
1: I know those of you that are in it when I say this. Please don't think I'm minimizing what you're going through at all because I'm not. At some point, I promise you. Not only will it not impact you anymore, but at some point you're going to look at their behavior and you're going to laugh at yes. how pathetically predictable it is. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, not at the abuse, not at, but you're going to be able to be so objective to it and be able to predict a mile away. And when you get those flowers at your internship, go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You yes. know, that kind of response to it.
0: Absolutely. I think it's really important to point out just... People who are in the midst of it or who just got out, you have a whole different life ahead of you. Yes, you. And, you know, as someone myself now, who's in an amazing, healthy relationship that is reciprocal and I couldn't be with a better partner, feel so safe and so loved. It's like that is available. I want you to know it is so available. Um and even obviously the relationship with yourself and your high self-worth that's available. Yeah. Um,
1: I always say yeah. it's there. You just will have to find it, but it's yeah. not, that you have to recreate it. It's, it's there. You have to kind of uncover it, not create it.
0: Exactly. So, so much of the healing process is unlearning. That's right. I, I think uh, to be honest with you, I think I would say like 90% of it is yes. unlearning. unlearning. Unhealthy
1: patterns. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what makes it possible to heal because it's unlearning. It's not something that you, it's not, it's not yes. all learning new things where maybe you won't get it. It's already, you've already gotten it. It just needs to be eating to backtrack. Yes.
0: Exactly. I'm so glad that there are women like you, like myself who are out there to support other women or men? I don't know. Do you work with men as well, Jamie? I
1: have a few, it's, it's more women, but, um, I definitely have a few. I found that my male patients tend to be, I run a group, um, for mm-hmm. people within narcissistic relationships, like, you know, who are out trying to get out. And, um, I have men that come to the group a little bit more than individual therapy. Um, Got it.
0: I think, cause they know it maybe other, usually usually yeah.
1: other,
0: other males and yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I, yeah. And I bring that up cause I do want to acknowledge men go through these experiences. As oh well. yeah. This is not gender specific. Um, yeah. But I'm just glad that there are people like you and I who know that this is a really unique experience. It's a niche yes. experience. Um, and we're, we're serving people who have gone through these relationships and um, it's, it's, Like I said, at the very beginning, this was the experience that kind of launched my career. And I, I have a very soft spot for women who are in those kinds of relationships or just getting out because I, I know I I get it. I know how hard it is. And it's one of the things that when I help women, when they come and they do the ESL program, and they sure. tell me that, Oh my gosh, it's the first time that I've had high self-worth and I love myself and I can set boundaries. And it's like, there's a whole new dating pool of all these healthy men yes. available to me now. Yes. I get so much joy and fulfillment out yes. of that because I know I'm helping people.
1: And and I think part of it too, and I, I say this a lot and I don't know how you, how you kind of experience this afterwards, but, um, I really recommend people don't date, get into relationships yeah. until not just they've self-regulated, but until they've really understood their patterns yes. and how to change their patterns. Because if you self-regulate and you feel good, and you know depression, anxiety stabilized, and you go out and you start dating again, but you haven't changed any of the codependency patterns, you haven't identified what feels like love is really, um, you know, something else and and you can't identify that you're going to get back into the same patterns and you really don't want to do that. So sometimes it's very hard for people who are in codependent relationships to be single and be alone and understand that it's, it isn't supposed to be easy. That's why it was a codependent relationship for you. It's going to be very difficult to be alone, especially when your self-worth for so long was contingent on somebody else's opinion of you, to be alone is very difficult. Even if it's healthier, it's still extremely difficult. Um, that's why when they come back and they send flowers and they do all these things, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to not fall into that trap. And what I say all the time is they're they're not, they don't want you back for the reasons that a rationally healthy-minded person wants you back. They don't want you back because they miss you. They don't want you back because they realize they were wrong. They don't want you back because they still love you. They don't want you back because they want to try harder. They just want to see if they still have access to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that's all. And that's really traumatizing to really wrap your head around when you've committed so much time and energy to this person.
0: It's a very good point everything that you shared there, I agree, one thousand percent. It's heartbreaking, yeah, it is. and 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 I think I love the piece you said about you have to be aware of your patterns. You have to stop the pattern before you get back out and date. In the program that I designed, the first part is about awareness of your patterns. Yeah. And we do a deep dive. I call it the relationship inventory, and it's looking at every single significant, relationship mm-hmm. and really unpacking the pattern. So agree. I'm, I'm sure if we looked at that program together, Jamie, you'd be like, yep. Yep. I'm laughing. Cause I call it,
1: I call it their interpersonal inventory. I, oh I was like, smirking when you said that, I'm like, I know what she
0: means. <laughs> yeah. We're on the same page, same yeah. page for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, I know we could talk forever. And I just I so so appreciate you. I know the audience is gonna love this episode. It's it came at the right time. It's domestic yeah. violence awareness month. Jamie and I are sending you so much love if you relate to this episode or if you have people in your life who relate to it, because seeing people go through this is also really traumatizing. So it's horrible. So, it horrible. Yeah, we're sending you so much love. Um, Jamie, I wanna give you an opportunity. Let us know what are you up to. How can people connect with you? T- tell us all the things.
1: Um. So, I, <laughs> let <me> think. <laughs>
0: You're on Instagram. I know. I um, covered that. Yeah,
1: no, other than three kids under nine. No, um, <laughs> oh, that's a lot. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> um, um. I yes, I'm on Instagram. Um, Doctor z psychologist it's um dr period z underscore psychologist so i post a ton of stuff on everything from anxiety everyday depression high functioning anxiety to toxic relationships to narcissistic abuse um to just stuff on toxic positivity and just you know knowing that it's it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to feel crappy it's appropriate and to you know sit with that and. Um, So I post a lot on that. I have a podcast. uh, It's me, Doctor Z, with J.B., and you can download that on Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we talk again a lot about narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships and strategies and tips. Uh, So that's every Monday night. We do a live podcast on Instagram, and then upload it the next day for you to download. And oh, what else? Um, Book book. I have a book coming out in April. Um, and that will be on anxiety management strategies from a kind of acceptance and behavioral based approach, which means kind of teaching you strategies to sit with your discomfort, um, mm-hmm. and kind of take action on your goals instead of waiting to feel better before you achieve something. Um, so that'll be in April and, um, yeah, that's,
0: so it's, is there a way to pre-order yeah. the book or just see where it's going to come out or you'll have so it's it? In gonna,
1: your- yeah, I'll post it. It's going to come out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I know that, um, we're still kind of in the works with the title, so I don't even really necessarily have that for you, but, um, it will be in a workbook journaling format. So oh, it's, interactive. Wow. So you can write in it and you can reuse Great. the exercises. There's no particular order to it. Um, so it's a lot of strategies I use with my patients. Um, they're, they're very helpful. I think it'll be helpful for people who feel stuck, who kind of know why they do what they do. They kind of know their patterns. They don't know how to move forward. So that's kind of the, the, the approach that I took with it. Um,
0: that's and- so, that's so wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, you're doing so much and, I, I know you have such a heart for helping people. And I'm excited. Oh, and workshops. Oh, and, and, workshops. and you have workshops. You're, you're workshops. busy, my,
1: busy girl. they <laughs> my website. You've got prerecorded. You can download them. Dr. What's J. your website?
0: .com zuckerman.com. Great. And for everybody listening, uh, we'll put all these links in the yeah. show notes as well. So you'll be able to find them, but yeah, once again, you are helping so many people, you are so busy. Yeah. I love, love all the work you're doing. It's super inspiring and just really glad that you've been able to join us for this conversation. I know the audience is just going to love this episode. Um, if you want to, shout us out, tell us your takeaways from this. I know we were very vulnerable. We were very real. If you had things that you want to share with us, you can DM us on Instagram. Um, it's Dr. Morgan coaching and then Dr. Z underscore psychologist. It's Z underscore psychologist. Anything else, Jamie, before we wrap up?
1: I don't think so. Thank you for having me again. I love our conversations. Um, you know, your work is is unbelievable. The program you have is unbelievable. And, you know, same thing, you're helping so, so many people. Um, I know I send all my patients your way and they're all, you know, very appreciative and they they love that you get it and they get a lot from it. So it's been very helpful. And for those of you listening that are either, you know, post breakup or in it or not quite sure if you're in one or not, um you absolutely 100% will be okay. You can heal. It is difficult. It's probably one of the hardest relationship dynamics to get out of for numerous reasons, which is a whole different conversation, but, um, you absolutely can, can heal. I see it with my patients all the time. Um, and you will get there.
0: Yes. Absolutely. I love ending on that note and we're sending you so much support. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you again, Jamie. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thank you. For and of me. course, yeah, you're welcome. And of course, everyone, you know, I'm wishing you high self worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.